Hello, vampires and slayers. This is Mixtress Ray, and you're listening to What's This Bitch Talking About? To which the answer to that question is Buffy the Vampire Slayer. If this is your first time listening, I watch every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer exactly 20 years after its original air date, and usually the podcast is also up on the same day. So 20 years ago today, December 8th, the episode Ted aired. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about today. <laughs> so it's going to be sort of, it might be a supersized episode. It's going to be, um, you're going to get an insight into my psychology that you may or may not have wanted. It's going to be a pretty intense episode. So first I'm going to do my regular thing, talking about it in a semi-intelligent way. And then my brother Sagan is coming over and we are going to drink a new beverage that I invented called the Hellmouth. And we're going to watch it and then we're going to talk about it. So the reason why I'm, I tend to uh, get a little extra inebriated when I hang out with my brother, because that's just what we do together. So I wanted to do all the intelligent stuff and make sure that I've taken good notes and all that shit before I get drunk. <laughs> um, but yeah, so let's do that part first. I'm going to read the description of the episode via The Complete Slayer, which is a terrible book. Buffy finds her mother kissing a man. Joyce introduces Ted, who makes an impression on Xander and Willow, but not Buffy. While playing mini-golf, Ted takes exception to Buffy's sullenness and threatens her, but regains his pleasant personality when the others join them. Buffy tells her mother about Ted's threat, but Joyce doesn't believe her. After patrol, Buffy finds Ted reading her diary. Buffy attempts to get it back, but he throws her against the wall. Enraged, Buffy sends him tumbling down the stairs, killing him. Xander, Willow, and Cordelia discover a drug in the cookies that Ted baked. At Ted's home, they're ecstasy cookies, basically. At Ted's home, they find the bodies of his previous four wives in a closet. Ted appears again in Buffy's room. Buffy stabs Ted with a nail file, revealing wires and circuits. What? No, she doesn't. She hits him with a cast iron skillet. When is there a nail file? I don't remember that. I just watched it and I don't remember that. She hit him with the cast iron skillet. I don't remember the nail file. Maybe it was there. Whatever. I'll look for it whenever I watch it again with Sagan. Um, the android Ted knocks Buffy unconscious and confronts Joyce. What? Oh. She stabs him with the nail file in her room. Okay, this is before she kills him for real. Okay. Okay, sure, I'll believe that. I just don't remember the nail file. Android Ted knocks Buffy unconscious and confronts Joyce. She believes his lies at first, but then grows suspicious. Buffy regains... She believes his lies for like a second. Buffy regains consciousness and smashes a frying pan over Ted's robotic skull. Okay. Okay. Um. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. I have spent this week um, really psychologically preparing myself for watching this episode. In my mind, this is my least favorite episode of Buffy ever. It is not badly done. It's not bad quality. It's 
it's a very good episode, but it is too real to me. It is, um, so basically it's the, you know, your mom's got a bad boyfriend and he's trying to be a stepdad, even though you just fucking met him. And it's just too real. And <laughs> we, I watched this with my mom last night and she, and I was telling her how upsetting it, it was to me, all that stuff. And she sat down and she's like, okay, why does this upset you so much? Do we need to talk about anything? <laughs> And, um, I want to make it clear that, okay, so my mom had her share of bad boyfriends. Yes. However, number one, I'm not about blaming the victim. Even though my mom kept apologizing, saying, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I dated terrible guys, whatever, whatever. It's not her fault. It's dudes. Dudes, especially dudes of a certain age, like baby boomers and older are most likely gonna be assholes they just are like it's not my mom's choices in men it's the fact that 85 percent of dudes her age or older are terrible humans <laughs> witness uh almost every president that has existed in our lifetime has been a baby boomer I think in my lifetime, every single president has been a baby boomer. And um, Obama was the only one that was of the sort of younger generation of baby boomers. He's my mom's age. Because, like, baby boomers is such a huge generation that there's, like, they're kind of separated into, I don't, forgot what they're called, but they're separated into, like, two categories sometimes. And um, my mom and Obama are in the better, more understanding, more progressive half of that. Anyway, not that that matters. Whatever. Weird tangent. Okay. <laughs> the point is, hashtag not all mom's boyfriends, but hashtag most of them. Okay? Okay? So, my, um, my favorite quote of this episode is Giles saying, to Buffy, the subtext is rapidly becoming text, <laughs> which is the perfect, perfect quote. And it pretty much sums up this episode because this episode is essentially about an abusive boyfriend of your mom's. He threatens to, he gets real authoritative with Buffy real fucking fast. And he keeps calling her little lady. In fact, I counted, he called her little lady six times. He called her sweetheart once. He said he's not going to stand for any malarkey in this house twice. He said daddy's here to Joyce once, and that was enough. <laughs> he said beg to differ four times. I thought he was, I thought he said that more. Um, he actually said little lady more than he said beg to differ. Anyway, I just, I, I was keeping track, so I thought I would tell you those stats. Um, also, I'm going to be like all over the place with this episode, not only now when I'm not drinking, but later when I am. Oh my God. Okay. So basically I spent a lot, a lot of time this week being very nervous about watching this episode because of how psychologically upsetting it is because it's just very real. It's not 
I mean, besides the fact that Ted turns out to be a robot, the rest of this could definitely be like a very special episode of Buffy or, um, you know, like a TV movie or whatever. It's just very lifelike because he threatens to smack her smart ass mouth. He does hit her. Um, he waits in her room when she, so she got sent to her room because she was being sulky at dinner and she snuck out to, um, to go patrol. And then when she came back, he was sitting in the dark in her bedroom waiting for her. And he had gone through her things and he had her diary and he threatened her just basically saying, you're going to do exactly what I say, or I'm going to tell your mother that you're delusional and you think you're a vampire slayer and you're going to get locked up in a mental institution, which is just all of this is, and he's classic, like he's very abusive to her, but he's super sweet to her mom and he's super sweet to Xander and Willow. Um, I, I don't know. Um, so what I did in anticipation of having to watch this episode, which I would consider to be, I don't know if it's quite as bad as the hyena episode, the pack. I think it might be a little less bad than the pack. Although every time I get to this point in the series, I... I don't know if I've ever actually skipped it. I always like want to skip it, but I don't. I mean, anyway, so what I decided was that I would, I'm going to create a Buffy vault wherein I think the limit will be three episodes. I'm allowed to, during this particular rewatch of Buffy, where I watch every episode 20 years after its original air date for you guys, um, I'm going to watch all of them for this project, but I have decided to create a Buffy vault wherein three episodes may be placed into this vault of my mind in which after this project, I will never, ever, ever have to watch them again. <laughs> Not that I would ever be obligated to watch any particular episodes, but um, I want to be a completist with this project, so I watched this episode even though I strongly did not want to, because it just upsets me too much. Um, so I've decided that the pack is definitely going in this vault. I need to write it down, actually. I need to put this... I mean, this needs to be official, right? Okay, we got our little Xander transgressions list here, which Xander has been not too bad. He only has like five things on his tra transgressions list. Okay, I'm going to let you guys listen to me actually create the Buffy vault. So the pack is definitely in here. Ted. And so I only get to pick one more. One more Buffy episode that... For all time, I will never, ever, ever watch it again. However, okay, so I created the Buffy Vault before I watched this episode. And by the time you hear this, I will have watched this episode three times. An episode that I hate. I will have watched it three times in the last two days because 
I watched it with my mom last night. I had to watch it right now by myself to take notes and be sober before I watch it again with um, my Sagan. And approximately, he's supposed to be here in like 20 minutes. So I'll be watching it again in about 20 minutes. But after that, I don't ever have to watch it again. I will say it's not as bad as I remember it. Um, and there are some really good moments. Like the first time Ted hits Buffy, she, you know, kind of gets knocked to the floor. And then there's this great shot where she stands back up and she's like, and she says, I was so hoping you'd do that. And she starts fighting back. And this is where she accidentally knocks him down the stairs. Because she's hitting him. She's pursuing him. She's f flat out fighting him. And um, he's fighting back until Joyce walks into the room. Which, first of all, okay, so this is all after he he's about to leave the room with her diary. Because that's his, you know his evidence against her so that she will stay in line and she says that he's not leaving the room with her property and um so that's when he hits her so what first of all what the fuck did Joyce think that he was doing you know like he's in her house like what did she think maybe maybe this was like after bedtime or something I guess that would make sense Maybe Joyce was in a nightgown at this point, and I just didn't notice. Um, but I don't think she was. Like, why? what would she think he was doing? She wouldn't have allowed him to just, like, hang out in Buffy's room waiting for her to get home so he could discipline her. Because he's known her for, like, three days. I don't know. Anyway, whatever. Let's... I haven't, like, said anything about my notes. Okay, so the the episode starts with Xander jinxing everything by saying, well, with Spike and Drew out of the way, dot, dot, dot. Um, Buffy's, you know, like, there's one scene with Angel in this episode. Um, she kind of is complaining to him about the whole situation, really seeming like a teenage girl. Like, she turned on the teenage girl syndrome in this particular episode, but I don't think she was very annoying I don't think she was playing up being too annoying, honestly. Um, so she is complaining to Angel about um, Ted, and she refuses to eat any of Ted's food. So Ted keeps making little mini pizzas, and he makes dinner for everyone, and he makes cookies, and blah, blah, blah. She refuses to eat any of his food because she does not trust him. Angel, turns out, is a good listener because he listens to her bitch, and he, like, offers her some pretty practical advice and um so he he does a good job like I'm always surprised whenever like there are those little conversations between Buffy and Angel where he's actually like listening and being insightful and like I forget that he can be that I don't know there's not enough of those moments of Angel just listening and and being cool <laughs> I don't know whatever um let's see at one point, Buffy and Giles are out patrolling together, which is weird. Like, why is he even there? Um, and she is, she does not talk to Giles about Ted, though. Not on screen. Um, she doesn't want to talk about what's going on with Giles for whatever reason. Um, but whenever she's staking a vampire in front of him, she like just spends a little bit too much time working out her aggressions before she stakes the vampire and at one point Giles says it's staking time really don't you think 
and um that's the scene where he you know he asks her what's wrong because she goes off on a weird little like vampires i just hate them so much they come around they make these little mini pizzas blah 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 and she starts you know basically talking about ted obviously and Giles is like, really, what's going on with you? The subtext is rapidly becoming text. <laughs> so it's, you know, putting this episode in the vault, meaning that I don't ever have to watch it again, means I'm going to miss nice little moments like that, which is sad. So, I mean, that just goes to show you how much I love this show, that even, like, among the episodes that I would really rather not ever have to watch again... <laughs> There are still moments that I wouldn't want to miss. Um, there's also a whole little side storyline with Ginny and Giles that I should mention. Giles apparently has been kind of lurking around, like he's given Jenny space and time after that whole thing happened where she got possessed and it was really traumatic. So he's been kind of like, I guess showing up and sort of asking her how she's doing and like apparently she's annoyed by it. I don't think that it doesn't seem like he's being that pushy. This is the first time they've even shown her since the end of the episode where all the shit happened and she told him that she would need some time, which was a few episodes ago. Um, I don't think he's really being too pushy, but you got to respect a girl that sets her boundaries you know she tells him you make me feel bad that I don't feel better because you keep coming around asking me how I am and she's like I need space and um yeah later she finds him in the cemetery he's patrolling after Buffy has accidentally killed Ted when she pushed him down the stairs and he didn't have a pulse because he's a robot and he got taken away in a body bag and the police question her and whatever. So he goes out to patrol because, you know, the Slayer's out of commission because she's depressed. She's wearing her de depression dungarees at this point. <laughs> I really love the costuming department of Buffy. They, they know. They know to put Buffy in sloppy clothes, you know. Okay, Sagan just called. So he is going to be here very soon and... I would like to, okay, um, kind of finish this up really quick. So I don't know. Apparently I don't have as much, I teased on my radio show tonight, which people won't even hear till after I'm saying this, but that this is going to be a good episode of the podcast because I'm talking about something that is very psychologically upsetting to me and then I'm going to get drunk and so it's going to be a good episode. Hopefully it still will be. I don't know. Anyway, what was I talking about? Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So Ginny feels bad because she was super harsh to Giles earlier. So somehow she finds him while he's in the cemetery, which not the right time to talk about this shit, Jenny. Whatever. So Jenny, so Giles is trying to patrol in Buffy's absence because she's depressed because she thought she just killed Ted. And she thought at this point she didn't know that she was a, that he was a robot. So she thought she just killed a human. So she feels pretty bad. Um, so this would be the first time if, if he turns out he really was a human, this would be the first time Buffy has killed a human. Does she ever kill a human? That's a good question. I'm not sure that she does. There are a couple of times where she thinks she killed a human, but she really didn't. And this is the first of those. Um, so anyway, 
So Ginny's like, I'm so sorry. I was really harsh. And Giles is like, dude, I'm kind of busy right now. This is not a good time. And Ginny is just so selfish. She's just so selfish. Um, and then a vampire comes up behind her. And so like her life is threatened once again. Every time she hangs out with Giles, her life is threatened. Um, and they're sort of caught off guard in this moment. So it's, there's a vamp, the vampire kind of goes after Giles and Jenny is rifling through his bag to try to get his crossbow out. And she's doesn't know how to use it at all. It's terrible. Um, so she's like aiming the crossbow and she, um, shoots it, but Giles turns around like right before she shoots it or whatever, not on purpose, but you know, and she shoots Giles in the back. Here's the badass part. Giles pulls it out of his back and stakes the vampire with the arrow that was in his back, all in like one swift movement. <laughs> it wasn't even like two movements of take it out of his back, stake. It was like take it out, stake, all in one swoop. Awesome. Giles is a badass. Um, let's see. <laughs> Something that was pointed out in Buffering the Vampire Slayer, which is a really great Buffy podcast. Um, listen to it after you finish listening to mine. Um, they pointed out that jo that Joyce's hairstyles throughout this episode, they become more and more like 50 soft curls. Um, very non-Joyce. The more she is like brainwashed by Ted. And part of the reason why Ted can brainwash everyone is because he puts like this ecstasy shit in his cookies. Um, damn, I need to really hurry because Sega's going to be here in like 10 minutes. Okay. Uh, oh, Xander and Cord Cordelia are still, you know, like making out and keeping it a secret from everybody. Um, at one point Xander compliments Cordelia's outfit in front of, uh, Buffy and Willow. And she's like, Haha, ha, real funny. Because usually he totally antagonizes her, but he just told her that she had a nice outfit and he was just being serious. And she was very put off by it. And she like scolded him when they were alone. Like, they're going to know. They're going to know about us if you just compliment my outfit. You know, like she doesn't even like it whenever he's nice. She doesn't. She just doesn't. Uh, what else we got? Oh, um, whenever the police are questioning Buffy, um, there's a whole lot of like victim blamey shit going on in this episode. He says to Buffy, like, she's like, he hit me and the, um, officer asks where, and she's gestures to her own face. And then he's like, um, doesn't look like he hit you very hard. Oh, that's a triggering moment right there. Also when... Buffy tells her mom that Ted threatened to hit her before he ever did hit her, before he, you know, she pushed him down the stairs and all the shit. Joyce reacts by saying, oh, he did no such thing. Oh, that's triggering. Although I do want to point out that my mom was never that person. Like, I knew that if I ever had to complain and I ever had to say anything about like a dude being awful to me, to my mother, it doesn't matter how close to, 
to them she is, she would believe me. She would never deny what I said like that. Um, and I think that's, I mean, Joyce is not the best mom in the world. I mean, she's very absent, very absent all the time. Like, this is the first time we've even seen Joyce in, like, four episodes, maybe more. I Seriously, when was the last time we saw Joyce? I don't know. If I had more time, I would look that up. Uh, everyone really has Buffy's back in this episode, despite the fact that Xander's high on the ecstasy cookies most of this episode. Um, and at first they're like, you know, what's the deal? Why don't you like Ted? But they're not super pushy about it, and they don't, like, disbelieve her whenever she doesn't really trust him. They kind of do, but it's it's pretty reasonable. Like, everybody everybody's emotions, the way that they act in this episode, the way that it all plays out is pretty reasonable for the most part. I don't think Buffy is overreacting. She's acting kind of like a petulant teenager, but she's a child of divorce that misses her dad. You know, like a certain amount of this is understandable. And I don't think that she, you know, overplays that annoying teenage bit. I think it's done to a reasonable level. And Xander and Willow's distrust of Buffy distrusting Ted in the beginning is also reasonable. You know, they're like, well, he seems really nice to me because they all met him at the same time. Um, so, but, and as soon as, as soon as it's the next morning, Buffy's wearing her depression dungarees. She's just pushed Ted down the stairs. She thinks she killed him. Everyone, Giles, Sander, Willow, everyone's like, oh my God, are you okay? Are you okay? They are totally there for her. They're not accusing her of anything. They're not being shitty to her in any way. They're not being distrustful of her. They're totally backing her up, even though up to that point, they thought, you know, Ted was pretty cool. And Xander and Willow immediately start investigating him. They're like, obviously, Buffy wouldn't have just killed some dude. Like, obviously there's something up with him and we got to figure it out because the police are investigating Buffy and we know that she would never kill someone for no reason. We're going to find something wrong with this guy to help build her defense. So pretty great. Everybody's pretty great to Buffy in this episode, um, except Joyce and Ted. Um, let's see. Joyce's hair is normal again after Buffy, um, quote unquote, kills Ted. Uh... Okay, this is when Jenny shoots Giles in the back and has to take him to the hospital. Although later in the episode, you see him and Jenny kissing in the library and like they never mentioned that he got stabbed ever again. I think it was a very shallow cut though because like he, he says the layers of tweed protected him or something like that. Um, yeah, then at the end... Um, Xander and Cordelia and Willow find Ted's house and he has like an underground bunker to his house that's like very 50s. Like everything's 50s. Everything's stuck in the 50s because he had four previous wives. He's been a robot since like the 50s. I'm guessing he killed each wife after they started aging too much and why he's on like Joyce would have been wife number five. Um, and I, and I, the way that they sort of alluded to it is that he's been a rope. Okay. <laughs> my, my SD card just like totally filled up. So I've got to make all the rest of my closing thoughts before I get drunk with Sagan.
Um, let's go ahead and do my ratings. Um, okay, so anyway, so they found his little underground 50s bunker at the same time that um, Ted has shown up and he knocks Buffy out and then he goes to find Joyce and he like knocks her out and he's about to carry her back to his 50s bunker when Buffy comes to, comes downstairs, hits him with his cast iron frying pan and um, that he was talking about, you know, the way that you make the pizzas perfect is you have to use cast iron, blah, blah, blah. So it was a nice moment when she kills him with his precious cast iron pan. Um, and then the episode pretty much ends at that point. Um, there's a little bit of exposition at the end of like, you know, obviously, you know, he's been a robot since the 50s. He's got four wives. Xander finds the four wives in a closet whenever they're in his little 50s bunker. So my ratings, well, maybe I could just do my ratings of the episode later with Sagan. I can do that. Yeah. Okay. So I will be back later. The second half of this episode will be all drinking Hellmouths. I should tell you what's in a Hellmouth right now. In order to make a Hellmouth, which will now be the sponsored official beverage of Buffy the Vamp, of what's this bitch talking about? The Buffy podcast. It is um, a shot and a half of cinnamon whiskey, um, a splash to taste of ginger beer or ginger ale, either one. Uh, I prefer ginger beer because that's usually, um, it's non-alcoholic. Non I don't know why they call it ginger beer, but um, usually if you get ginger beer, it might be like in the mixer aisle next to the alcohol and it's usually tastes more like ginger. Um, so I prefer that something that tastes more like ginger, but if you're less into ginger, you could just use regular ginger ale or, you know, substitute any of these. So here's how I do the drink and you can, um, alter it to your own flavor specifications. So shot and a half cinnamon whiskey, splash to taste of ginger beer, splash to taste of cherry Dr. Pepper, I use diet because I usually have it in my house. Um, some maraschino cherries, however many you want, with some of the cherry juice, bitters, and is that it? I think that's it. So cinnamon whiskey, ginger beer, Dr. Pepper, diet Dr. Pepper, or not. I mean, I usually, I pretty much just use that to cut the ginger and cinnamon so that it's not too too harsh because this is the hellmouth this is a spicy beverage and i like the cherry because i feel like the cherry is a little bit buffy the dr pepper is a little bit buffy the whiskey is giles the um all the spiciness you know it's the hellmouth <laughs> okay sagan's here so next you're gonna hear us getting drunk and we'll finish out the episode bye Okay, kids, I am back. Um, change of plans. Um, Sagan and I met and we did watch the episode, but um, it just brought up a little bit too much triggering stuff. Um, and Sagan decided that we were not going to, that the reason why it was triggering is because he was having to analyze it. Um, so we decided that we would not talk about it, um, with him. So, um, 
So I basically just need to sum everything up now so that we can finish the episode. So, um, let's see. What else do I need to say? I guess I didn't give all of my ratings. Um, let's see. Did I take any extra notes from the third time that I watched it? Um, oh, um, something that I did want to bring up earlier that I forgot to discuss. Um, the relationship between Joyce and Buffy was odd in this episode because she was under, Joyce was kind of under the spell of Ted, of course. So she was sort of believing him over her daughter and trusting him over her daughter, which is very odd because he was only in her life for like, you know, only in their lives for like a second, you know, but all of that said, she, um, when the cops were at the house after Buffy had pushed Ted down the stairs, um, or I guess she didn't really push him down the stairs. She just was beating him up and he fell down the stairs, um, as part of the result of that, the kickback of that. He kind of threw himself down the stairs almost, honestly, after watching it three times, I think he was like, he basically made the decision to shut down because, um, he was a robot and he could do that and he was being dramatic. But anyway, um, so after she thought she'd killed him and the coroner had taken him away and the police were questioning Buffy and her mom. Um, they were questioning Joyce at the time and he, the officer asked Joyce what happened and she said he fell. She it did not even cross her mind to rat her daughter out even after being like totally brainwashed um, and just being very weird and not believing her whenever um, she said that Ted threatened to hit her and all that shit. She did not rat her daughter out. So props to Joyce for that. Um, some of the, the way I didn't really discuss whenever, I think I discussed it maybe a little bit, but whenever, um, the officer was questioning Buffy later, he, it was a very victim blamey kind of situation. Possibly that like, besides all of the just like cliche, terrible things that Ted said, like daddy's home and shit like that. Um, this moment of the officers, the officer questioning Buffy was possibly the most triggering of the whole thing because he, you know, it was classic victim blaming, you know, like, um, he, whenever he asked Buffy where she had been hit and she gestures to her face and he's like, well, he must have not hit you very hard. And Buffy's like, I don't bruise easily. And so he says, oh, you've been hit before. And, you know, just sort of changes the conversation to, in such a way that it was almost like he was blaming her for invoking, inciting the violence upon her. Um, yeah. So anyway, okay. <laughs> I'm just wondering, like, since it was hours ago, whenever I talked about this, 
Um, and then I watched it again with Sagan and hung out with him for a few hours. Then I did my radio show and now it's, um, after 11 and I just need, basically I just need to do my ratings at this point. So I apologize for this being sort of an uneven episode. If I were a professional woman, I would probably just scrap this whole thing and start over tomorrow and just do, um, a podcast episode all in one shot. But um, I don't want to watch the episode again, and it really works the best for me if I can talk about it right after watching it, um, so that everything is fresh in my mind. Um, so to sum up, uh, this is going in the vault. Like, okay, basically let's, let's talk about the psychological reactions that I had to this episode. The anticipation of it was worse than the actual viewing of it. However, I feel like, okay, and I'm not the only one because on Buffering the Vampire Slayer, I don't know if I mentioned this before or not, but <laughs> there was a quote on that when they were talking about this episode and they, they kept saying that they felt very triggered by it as well. And one of them, I can't remember which, which one it was. She, um, she said that like towards the beginning, she's like, this episode, it, it, it makes my body feel bad. <laughs> I thought that was a really perfect summation of this episode. It's just like Giles said in my favorite quote of the episode, the subtext becoming rapidly becoming text, which is kind of a good theme for the entire show, the entire series. Um, it was just too real. This was just too close to reality of, yeah, it just, I mean, I'm sure every, every child of divorce <laughs> that has, um, lived through more than one dude being a part of their mother's life has experienced the, just that whole and I don't want to say that all stepdads are like this. I'm, I know that they're not. I mean, these are just, I mean, people, people are different. People are nuanced, but that entire, that experience of being in Buffy's position of sudden, even without the like abuse elements, but suddenly there is a dude in your life that is trying to assume an authority figure, father figure stance in your life when you haven't known them that long. And I tend to have, I, I'm a very distrusting person whenever I first meet people, like nine times out of 10, I don't like people until they can prove to me that they're trustworthy. Like I just, I start on a basis of looking at them kind of sideways, like, I don't know about you. And it kind of, I'm kind of in that stage with a person after I first meet them for a really long time, usually years. Um, and a lot of the times that first impression of people turns out to be the most accurate. I think I have a pretty good sense of people. Cause there's a lot of times that I really don't fucking trust somebody and that eventually I come around and I think, Hey, maybe I was wrong for a few years. And then I ultimately find out that I was right in the fucking beginning. 
So, um, <laughs> which, since I normally distrust people from the beginning, does that mean that most people are bad? I don't know. Anyway, let's get into my ratings, because obviously I don't have anything else intelligent to say about this particular episode. So, <laughs> the object of the episode that I would like to pluck out of the episode to keep for myself. Um, I really enjoyed Ted's entire like underground 50s bunker situation. Um, it's, it's too much brown, but in general I liked the decorating, um, but I can't pick that entire apartment. So to pick one object, I will pick his little, Ted's little 50s uh, mid-century modern side table that he had. You know, he had one of those like cool little, possibly a stereo cabinet wooden table that's on the little legs that, that go out, you know, the, you know what I'm talking about, the little legs that go out at an angle and had the little sliding wooden doors. So you could slide both of them over to one side or both of them over to the other side. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Or just have them both closed. I really like those little tables. I really do. I need one of those in my life. Um, so that's the object of the episode. Um, my favorite outfit of the episode is the episode is the outfit that Willow is wearing at the very end. So like the last scene, Willow's wearing um, like a pumpkin colored, like sort of a pale orange um, fuzzy v-neck sweater. She's wearing like a little choker. They didn't really show it close enough to see what it was, but it was just essentially some kind of choker. And a, a flowery mini skirt that was sort of a, sort of an orange sherbet color. So it was much lighter than the pumpkin sweater, but it went with it because there were some flowers in the skirt that, um, corresponded to the pumpkin sweater. Um, and she also had on a, like a mini backpack that had a rainbow on it that I think was blue. Um, she was also wearing like white tights and sneakers. I didn't like, if I were going to wear that outfit, I would not wear, I just would never wear straight up white tights. Like, no, I mean, my legs are white enough. I would just wear my legs if I wanted to go the white route. <laughs> um, so that's my favorite outfit, although I do always enjoy when Buffy wears her depression dungarees, because like I said, uh, I think the costuming is pretty on point in Buffy. Like sometimes it's not great, but it always tells the story of the mental state of the character that's wearing it. You know what I'm saying? Ugh, my voice is, I'm too much talking today, apparently. Um, my quote, like I said, subtext rapidly becoming text. There was another point in the episode where Buffy said to Xander, um, she had like threatened violence upon him if he kept talking about how good Ted's mini pizzas were because he was obsessed with the mini pizzas. And, um, at one time, at one point, Xander said to Buffy, can you say overreaction much or something like that because she was he thought at that point he thought that she was overreacting about you know not trusting Ted and Buffy reacted by saying can you say sucking chest wound 
<laughs> I thought that was really funny. Um, I would say the most valuable player of the episode, despite the, I will give Giles an honorable mention because of that really badass pulling the arrow out of his back and staking the vampire with it in one beautiful movement situation. But the most valuable player of the episode has got to be Buffy. Most of the time it's Buffy because this show is called Buffy the Vampire Slayer and nine times out of 10, she is the hero of the story. <laughs> but, um, that she, it's no exception in this episode. She <clears throat> she has three main badass moments. So um, she number one, she fights back immediately whenever Ted hits her. Um, number two, she stabs him with a nail file, which I did notice upon the third freaking viewing of this episode. Somehow I just totally, whatever action scenes happen, I kind of space off. Like, I know that my very favorite show in the universe includes a lot of action sequences and fight sequences, but honestly, I usually space off and I'm not really paying attention to like the details of fight scenes and things like that. So yeah, she does stab him with a nail file. And it's like the kind of nail file that my mom had growing up. Like it's, it's the exact nail file. I think that I remember her having growing up just like the metal one. It had like a little diamond shaped hole in it and it had a point and it was just, yeah. Anyway. Um, and then the third baddest moment of course was whenever she killed Ted with his precious cast iron pot, um, or pan or whatever. I keep saying it like, like as if I have disdain for cast iron cookware. I don't. I actually would like to have some cast iron cookware, to be honest. Um, I wouldn't be able to hold on to it very well because I have like grip problems with heavy objects. Um, but I, I do like cast iron, but I keep saying precious because, you know, he, he thought it was essential that you use a cast iron pan whenever you make your stupid little mini pizzas. And so I just thought it was fitting that he got killed with that particular item. Um, okay. So that's all the writings then, except for the five by five. So like I said before, um, my anticipation of this episode was worse than the actual watching of the episode. And I think it also helped to watch it three times in a row. I watched it once yesterday and twice today. And, um, I think that desensitized me to it a little bit. I would, um, I would still say that this is the scariest episode of Buffy because it's the most realistic, the most, um, subtext rapidly becoming text. Um, and I, I maintain that I will keep it in the Buffy vault. That doesn't necessarily mean that I will never, ever, ever watch it again, because I think I'm less afraid of it. Now, I think I actually worked through this episode by watching it three times. Um, so it's possible that the next time I do like a full watch of Buffy, um, which will be seven years from now, five, six, almost. Yeah. Okay. So like about six years from now, because I will, n in the meantime, when I'm doing this project of watching every episode of Buffy, exactly 20 years after its original air date, I will not be able to watch episodes within, um, beyond the, 
one within the season that I'm currently doing the project for. That's my rule. So like, for example, right now I can watch every episode, every other episode of Buffy leading up to, um, I can watch every episode of Buffy from any other season except to the one that I'm in. And I can watch every episode of Buffy that has come, that is leading up to the one that I'm on, but I can't watch beyond it until I get to that point, if that makes sense. That's my rule anyway. <laughs> so I'll never get to do a full rewatching of Buffy during the next six years while I'm doing this project, if that makes sense. Um, anyway, I don't know why I went down that tangent. It's been a long day, you guys, and I have to get up at about seven o'clock and it's 1130 now. So I really should be like getting ready for bed at this point. Um, anyway, so my ratings, as far as enjoyability, I did not give it a zero like I thought I would because there are some good moments like Xander's pretty funny in this episode. Cordelia is helpful. I don't think I mentioned earlier that she, um, as Giles was telling everybody that he was going to patrol in Buffy's absence, um, the night after she, um, thought she killed Ted, um, she was in her depression dungaree. So obviously she was out of commission. <laughs> so he was going to patrol in her absence. Um, Cordelia asked him if he needed help and just genuinely just like, off the top of her head, just, Hey, do you need us to go with you? You know? Um, so that was sweet. She's fully a part of the gang now, which I know I've said several times, but like she's in it. Like everybody just totally had Buffy's back in this episode. So I, I enjoyed that aspect of it. I enjoyed all the interactions that didn't involve Ted in this episode. It was a solid episode. It was just too real and too scary to me, which is why it's going to go in the vault, not because it's a crappy episode, but because I just don't want to have to watch it again, you know, and it's a piece of entertainment. So I don't have to, if I'm not entertained by it, which I was entertained by it, I was, but it's just, um, yeah, anyway, whatever. I'm just going to keep repeating myself tonight, apparently. So sorry, because I kind of like promised this is going to be a really interesting episode of this podcast, and it turns out to be totally not that. So I did give it a one for enjoyability. And as far as clarity of message, getting its point across, I mean, I don't know what the point is except domestic violence, um, misogyny, the patriarchy it hit you over the head with it, with a cast iron skillet. So I gave it a five for clarity of message because it was pretty fucking clear to me. So that means that this episode overall gets a five. Um, so yeah, not the worst ever. Honestly, not as scary as I remember it. Um, let's get into a little bit of podcast business because um, we unfortunately have a little bit of a lull coming up because, um, because of the nature of this project, the next episode of Buffy that aired 20 years ago will be mid January. Okay. Had to go get my planner so I could tell you the exact date. The next episode of Buffy that we will get to watch is 
a little over a month from now. It is January 12th, and it is kind of a terrible episode. It's very B-movie. Um, it is... I, I, I look forward to it with dread, but as is usually the case with Buffy episodes, I fully anticipate that it will not be as bad as I remember it. <laughs> that said, we do have to wait um, a month and four days from now for um, that episode, unfortunately. So my plan is I do still want to have a podcast if not next week, then the week after, or, you know, sometime between now and January 12th, I do want to have another podcast episode. I may decide to have one that's just sort of a, yeah, I'll probably have between now and January 12th, I will probably have at least two podcast episodes. So it might be like an every two weeks kind of thing until we get to that point. So my plan will be, the next episode of the podcast will be sort of a year retrospective, kind of looking back on um, the series up until this point, because we started this project in March. So um, we, between March and now, we have seen the entire first season of Buffy and almost, I mean, we're at the like halfway point of season two. Um, so we'll do kind of a little review on Buffy up to now. I'll probably do like some personal shit of like just talking about my year in general and just kind of wrap up the year a little bit. And then um, I might also do an episode that is two weeks later and do an episode two weeks later. Yeah. So if I do an episode in two weeks from today, it will be the 22nd of December. So it will be the second day of winter. So that's the next time I will have a podcast is the second day of winter. So that will be a really good time to kind of, kind of talk about the year and kind of reflect and, you know, maybe have some resolutions, kind of think back, you know, just reflect over the year because I'm kind of a witchy person. So it'll be a good time to do that. I think, um, yeah, I'm excited about that. That's, I just made that plan up just the fuck now. So hopefully you guys will be into it too. If you would like to also, if you would like to contribute anything to the podcast, send me an email at mixtressradio at gmail.com and um, let me know like how you feel your personal year has gone and what you look forward to in the next year. Um, uh, yeah. And we'll, we'll get our, we'll get our witchiness on and talk about the year ahead. So two weeks from today on the 22nd. Two weeks after that will be, I have to look into the next year, that will be the 5th, 5th of January. So the 5th of January will be the week before we get to have another um, Buffy podcast where we get to talk about the episode Bad Eggs, which is the next episode. So that day I will do kind of a I'll do kind of a review of the season of Buffy so far and kind of talk about the overarching themes, talk about what kind of just do a previously on Buffy episode. That will be January 12th because it will be at that point, it will be one, two, three, four weeks from now, four weeks from now is the next time 
it'll be five weeks from now that we actually have the episode, but four weeks from now, um, we can do a previously on Buffy episode. So there you have it. That's my plan. I'm going to stick to it. So I will see you guys. I will talk to you guys in two weeks. Um, again, if you would like to get a hold of me, Mixtress Radio at Gmail. Um, that's M I X T R E S S R A D I O at Gmail. <laughs> um, really exciting news. This just happened. Just happened. My aunt made the final donation in my GoFundMe campaign. So my podcast is now funded through September of next year. Um, so really excited about that. I have reached my goal and, um, I don't know. Very exciting. Um, I'm still taking donations. Of course, um, if I got a little bit more money, I would be able to buy some button supplies and make some buttons for the people that donated, um, or whatever. So very exciting. Thank you so much to my aunt Diana and probably not listening, but in case you are, <laughs> um, thank you very much. I am very excited to have, to be able to close just close that out. You know, I don't, I don't have to have the GoFundMe campaign anymore because I've made the money. This is the first time I've ever made the money for my podcast and my radio show from donations. So thank you very much, um, to everyone that helped out with that. I'm incredibly grateful and it's really awesome to get, to get paid for my creative pursuits. I mean, I'm just breaking even at this point, but um, that's still pretty damn awesome. And it's the first time that's happened. So I'm very excited. Um, so I will talk to you guys again in two weeks. Um, bye.